Okay, folks, let's go on a little mental road trip real fast. So pick your favorite car or truck, whatever it is you'd like to be road tripping in. And let's picture the road trip for a second. I don't know, maybe for some of you, it's nighttime and the music is blasting, windows are down, air is blowing through your hair. Or maybe for some of you, you're alone and it's morning time. You're getting a really early start on the road trip and it's quiet and there's very few sounds except for maybe the tires bumping and finding a rhythm on the road. And as you're driving along, you start to think. I don't know, maybe you're thinking about that special somebody or maybe you're freaking out because you don't have something done for work or for school. Um, yeah, you know, just thinking about all sorts of things. You, you look into the rearview mirror, you check your teeth, your hair, your makeup, and maybe you start thinking about what's going to happen next in that book that you're reading. And then suddenly you realize that, I don't know, 20 minutes have gone by, and you think, oh, shit, um, I don't know who's been driving, but it definitely wasn't me. And you can't believe that you didn't maybe take out a whole bunch of cars and trees along the way. And you just realize that you weren't paying attention. But somehow, you made it safely down the road anyway. And I, I think most of us have experienced this, right? I mean, maybe even some of you got to work today without even really paying attention, <laughs> realizing how you got there. So sometimes our brain just flat out goes into autopilot. And in some ways, it's really pretty incredible what the brain is capable of once it's been shown the ropes, right? And in this particular case, autopilot was most definitely a good thing. But I don't think autopilot is always a good thing. Sometimes autopilot can tend to kick into gear on a broader level and kind of seep into your everyday life. I mean, do any of you ever feel like you're just going through the motions? Same job, same routine, day in, day out. And, you know, I think it can get all of us, even some of the most punk rock among us, can fall into going through the motions. And I think it's safe to say that going through the motions has obvious downsides when it comes to morale, at the very least. But I think it can also have a downside when it comes to education and brain development. Not always, though. I mean, going through the motions and doing things over and over has some very clear benefits as well. So today we're going to talk about these things and find out when routine and going through the motions is a good thing and when it's not such a good thing. Now, I'm a speech therapist, so I'm going to be talking today about how this applies specifically to helping your child with their speech. But I think that anybody who's listening will find that this could be applied to just about any area where you want your child to change their behaviors or learn new things and then be able to generalize these things into daily life. It's all about carving out well-defined pathways in your brain while also keeping your brain on its toes. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get going. So keep your ears on the radio, but keep your eyes on the road. Pay attention because it's time to chat. Hi, I'm Tanya Friend, and I've been a speech and language pathologist for 13 years. I am also the owner and director of Chatterbox Speech Therapy, 
a speech therapy practice that serves the children and community in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm Corey Walker. I've been working with children for nearly 20 years, and I was a pioneering app developer in the area of speech and language pathology. We all have gifts in this life, and mine is knowing what makes children tick. Parenting in the modern age comes with uncharted challenges. We'll be bringing you discussions with experts in childhood development and introducing some tough questions and topics. Together with our experience and knowledge, we have created this podcast to help you with your child's development and wellness. So listen up. Because it's time to chat. Now, today I'm at home, working from home, doing this podcast, but no childcare. So I have one of my kiddos with me, and I'm going to have him, I'm going to build him into the podcast. So I'm going to ask him, Johnny, what's the word of the day? Neuroplasticity. (laughs) Very good. Neuroplasticity. Now, I told you what that means. Do you remember? You weren't paying attention, right? Okay. So it means when um, basically kind of what it sounds like, like neuro, neurons for the brain and plasticity like plastic. So it's it's essentially kind of what it sounds like, the brain's ability to be plastic or changeable or movable. And in order to learn new things, anytime you want to learn something, you have to have a certain amount of plasticity in your brain so you can Um, carve out new pathways in your brain so you can transfer information from one area of the brain to the other. But getting these pathways going in the brain can be difficult sometimes. It's kind of like, have you ever been camping and maybe wanted to carve in a stick? And when you first start carving, uh, if you want to carve like a line in the stick with a knife, at first it can be difficult to go down the exact path where you want. Like you start carving down the path and it might go off a little bit in one way into the other. And it's difficult to go down the exact same path you want to go down until you start getting um, a good groove going. But eventually, once you kind of start going down the same path, it gets easier and easier to go down the path and go from one area to the other. So remember that the next time you're trying to do something new give yourself a break because you're literally having to carve out pathways in your brain. So that's the word of the day. What is it, Johnny? Neuroplasticity. Very good. Neuroplasticity. Now, one really important thing to realize here is that a child's brain is much more plastic. It's much, much easier to carve out pathways in a child's brain than it is in an older person's brain. For a kid's brain, it's more like carving in, I don't know, soap or butter. But as you age, it does get harder to carve out new pathways. I know, certainly for me, when I'm learning something new, feels more like I'm carving through oak or something. I don't know, it's oak hard. But, um, but it is possible to carve out these new pathways. So remember, um, what is a kid's brain like, Johnny? Butter. Like butter. <laughs> Very good. It's like, if uh, have you ever watched Eric Clapton play guitar or some virtuoso on the piano? I'm sure you found yourself, you know, wondering how in the world do they do that with seemingly no effort? Now, of course, we all know that it was not effortless at all. We know that they spent years and years and years of doing things over and over again. And since they did them over and over again, now it's relatively effortless. It is effortless for them now. 
because they have such strong pathways in their brain. Um, Now, most of the rest of this podcast is going to be about breaking away from norms and not doing things over and over again. But I do want to touch here. Here is actually a good time to point out where doing something over and over again can indeed be quite beneficial when it comes to speech. And, you know, if and when you can get your child to practice speech and, you know, essentially drill. So practicing their sounds over and over again or saying words that have their sounds in them over and over again. um, This is a case where it actually would be helpful to do something over and over because it is essentially carving out these new pathways. And each time you practice, those pathways get a little bit deeper a little bit longer and a little bit stronger. So, you know, whether you know it or not, speech is actually a very intricate and complex process. And it only happens automatically for us because we've literally been doing it our entire lives. Um, But, you know, there's actually this video of somebody talking while being x-rayed and it shows how all the articulators move as they speak. And it's really actually quite mind-blowing. I mean, I don't know, I just saw it like maybe a month ago, and I'm a speech therapist and I was blown away. Um, I'll put the link in the description of this podcast or you can search it on YouTube. It's, what's it called? Uh, You can search MRI scan shows what happens to the body when people talk and sing. And it's, the person is speaking in German, I'm pretty sure, but you'll definitely get the idea. Um, But go check it out. It's, it's, you'll, you'll get an idea of why it can be so, why so many things can go wrong during speech and why it might require doing a fair amount of drill just to get it right. And, you know, nobody likes drill, especially kids, but if you can get them to do it, it's definitely worth it. Johnny, do you like practicing your speech? (laughs) Let me hear you. No! Ah, See, he doesn't like it either, but sometimes we make him do that. We do that uh, during bedtime a lot. I'll touch more on that later. You know, I think of gymnasts and watching them fly through the air so amazingly and landing on their feet like and thinking, you know, how in the world did they do this? And we all know it's because they did things over and over and over again, but they probably fell on their faces more than they would ever like to admit. And they probably didn't like doing it over and over again, but they definitely liked the end result. And the same thing here applies to speech. So if you can get your kids to do it, it is worth it. So, you know, it's really interesting through the years, more often than not, if I'm working with a child and I've been working with them um, for quite a bit of time and we're getting closer to the end of speech therapy where they are able to make their sounds during structured activities. So during drill or um, in sentences when they're in actual therapy, Um, but then they have a hard time making it in general. casual conversation. So when they walk in, still not making their sounds. But inevitably, one day that kid will walk in and suddenly the sounds are being made in every position and in sentences all the way through conversation. And it always baffles me, but it's kind of like magic. But it's as if finally those new pathways got easier to travel down than the older ones. So creating those pathways eventually your child will go down those pathways. So that is how doing things over and over again can be beneficial to speech. But it's more of a doing things routinely in short bursts. 
But now let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk about doing things differently and breaking out of the monotony because it really can make a big difference. Um, First, I want to paint a picture of this speech therapy world that I've been working in for nearly 20 years. We do have a very um, typical cookie-cutter model for how to treat children with speech difficulties. And this model has been around for decades, at least, or probably since um, the dawn of speech therapy. I don't know. And there's been plenty of success with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Therapists and children make a lot of progress every day. But I do feel like it's working a little less and less with our modern day setup. Because a lot has changed in the last 20 years. And, but not much has changed when it comes to the model for speech therapy. You know, look, schools and insurance and certainly not your kids, that none of those people have a hard time shaking things up for you. <laughs> right? So now it's your turn. It's time for you to start shaking things up and taking control of your child's future and, in this case, their speech. So here's how things go down in the speech therapy world. Generally, a child is identified by somebody generally in the schools or their parents as having a delay. There's something wrong with their speech. Um, Once that happens, usually weeks, sometimes months, go by before a child really even even gets tested. And at this point, a speech therapist will give them a standardized test or compare their speech to normative data. And then hopefully, um, if they need help, they'll be qualified. But then in today's society, a child then has to wait another couple months to actually start therapy. There's a lot of bureaucracy either with insurance or um, in the schools. And it takes time for the schools to get into gear or the insurance to actually do what it's supposed to do. So it can take a while. Once therapy is going, a child is generally seen by a speech therapist one to two times a week for 30 minutes. I mean, I've seen those, those words written down right there thousands of times in my life. And in the schools, kids are usually grouped with numerous other kids. So with any luck, a kid might get services after a few months. And once they do, they're lucky to get 20 to 30 minutes of direct attention a week. From here, you know, if the child is sent home with practice material, Honestly, it's rare that the parents have time or make time to practice what is needed to help their kids here. So here we have a model where we lose months of potential attention to issues, due in large part to bureaucracy, followed by a model where it's just kind of expected that parents will just kind of hand off their kids to a speech therapist, say, here you go, fix my kid, and then everybody continues on with their busy lives. And really, this is not an ideal situation for your child to be expected to make any kind of real progress. I mean, a couple hours a month of attention to something is not enough to start creating these pathways that are needed. Now, this is not to say that kids don't make progress. Kids are clever, they're resilient creatures, and they they do still make progress. But if the platform were to be changed, I'm telling you, crucial developmental time wouldn't be lost and children would make much quicker progress. And in many cases, if you know some of this stuff beforehand and you do some of this stuff with your kids 
um, when they're young, these problems could be avoided altogether. So what is happening here is, you know, it's filled with good people. They're working hard, yourself and your kids included. But I think everybody just sort of gets stuck playing their roles a little bit. And, you know, like I said, plenty of progress can be made. But I'm telling you right now, if you want your kids to make progress and be affected by speech issues as little as possible, then changing your role can and will make a huge difference. And, you know, ultimately, look, you only have control over your role anyway, right? I mean, you can't really change bureaucracy. I mean, there's things that you can do, but but that's a conversation for a different podcast altogether. So what are you going to do to change your role? There are things that you can do that I promise will, they'll blow your mind or they'll melt your heart or both. I mean, you'll find yourself so proud of your kids and also saying like, yay humans, because some of this really does just feel like magic. I mean, it feels like magic to me sometimes, and I've been doing this for a better part of two decades. So in order to really start shaking things up, there's two things that you need to do. Number one, you've got to tweak the way that you interact with your kids. And two, you need to be an idiot. (laughs) That's right. You need to be a dork. You need to be strange and do things that are odd and out of the ordinary. So let's start with tweaking the way that you interact with your kid. Notice that I said tweak and not add. You know, I'm the parent of three kids myself, so I know how hectic things can be with kids. I mean, Lord, child, please don't add one more thing to my day. Because as it is, I don't get everything in. And, you know, in between breaking up fights with the kids and pulling marbles out of their noses, you know, the last thing I want to do is have to sit down and add another thing to my day. And especially for something that, you know, to have to do something that I didn't go to school for, like speech therapy. But I need to let you all in on a little secret about articulation therapy. It really is not rocket science. Um, You know, sorry, speech therapist, I don't mean to sell you out here. But once you kind of know what to look for with speech, it's, it's not that difficult to actually do the therapy. I think about it like playing music on a guitar. If somebody played a C note for me over the radio or something and told me that I needed to play it and handed me a guitar, there's no way that I would be able to play it. I just don't have that musical ear. But if somebody who did have that ear said, oh, you know, that's a C, that's a C chord and showed me where to place my fingers, how to strum the guitar, I could learn how to do it relatively easy. So think about speech therapy like this. Once you know what to do and how you can do it, you can do, as a parent, actually a pretty decent job. Certainly enough to make a big difference with your child. So don't think of a speech therapist in the same way that you might think of as a heart surgeon. So, you know, if your kid ever needed, God forbid, heart surgery, um, you would want a heart surgeon and only a heart surgeon to do this. You wouldn't want to step in and be like, hey, doc, how can I help? But speech therapy isn't like this. It really has to be a group effort. You know, to keep with the music theme, um, think of the speech therapist here as the songwriter and you're a band member. The therapist um, has the ear for what they want to play and they can put all the chords and the instruments together and then teach everybody else what to play. So you, as a parent, you've got to be part of the band. 
And you, I don't know, you may not be John Lennon, but you're Ringo. <laughs> you're Ringo, man. I mean, you're keeping the beat. It's really hard to stay on task and on the mark without Ringo. So hop on that kit and get playing. So this leads me to the first of two things that serve as sort of the umbrella under which everything else will fall when it comes to tweaking things for your child. The first one is that parents and caregivers are their child's most important asset. I mean, you know, on, on a number of levels in life in general, obviously, but specifically when it comes to speech. I'm telling you, if all your child gets is a meeting with a therapist one to two times a week for 30 minutes, they will make progress, but it will be much slower than it can be. And last time I checked, this world really puts a lot of weight on how well a person speaks and communicates. You know, look, as a rule, I found speech therapists to be a fantastic and motivated bunch. But at the end of the day, you love your child more than anybody else, and you know your child better than anybody else. No one has a better sense of kind of when to push your child and when not to push your child. You are numero uno here. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing, it's all about awareness. By and large, when it comes to speech issues, most children don't realize that they're not producing their sounds correctly. Without being in an environment that promotes awareness of issues, it's really very hard to make quick progress. Think of it like bad posture. And, you know, I can speak of all people to this very on a firsthand basis. When you're, rock, when you're walking around in life and you're super busy, you don't realize that your posture sucks until you see a picture of yourself or you're around somebody with phenomenal posture or you have somebody around there to point things out and tap you on the back to remind you to straighten up. If you're in an environment that is designed to frequently remind you about posture, you're much more likely to stand up straight. And if you combine this with exercises to promote strength, you're really on your way. But without this environment to remind you, you're going to slack. You're going to slouch. Same thing with your child's speech. Why? Because they're on autopilot. Their brain is going down the path of least resistance. And until new paths are created that are easier to go down, things will remain the same. And we can't travel down these paths if they haven't been created. Now, as you're building awareness, it's best to do these things during times of routine rather than out experiencing something new or in a crowded or hectic environment. So remember that. You don't always have pick your battles. You don't always have to be doing this stuff. Um, and this for two reasons. One, their brains aren't already trying to concentrate and learn and process through new things. And two, they're in autopilot. So popping in with new information starts chipping away at those old pathways and creating new ones. Now, when it comes to awareness, we need to really start with the most basic paths. We as adults take for granted that everybody knows the parts of the mouth and certain preposition words. Um, But this isn't always the case with children in particular. So make triple and quadruple sure that they're familiar with the tongue, the tip of the tongue the back of the tongue, front teeth, molars. Um, So start pointing these things out when you're doing things that have anything to do with the mouth. Teeth brushing is best for this, but also, you know, when you're eating, 
or you know, make funny faces with your kids and point out these body parts and tell them things like, let's make a, make a funny face where you have to um, point the tip of your tongue towards your nose. So this starts um, solidifying and drawing attention to different parts and different ways to move your tongue. Next is auditory awareness. Big picture, this is by far the most important thing to do to tweak in your life. We focus so much on getting sounds and language out that we forget sometimes to first put them in. I mean, you can't grab a brewski out of the fridge without first putting in a six-pack, right? So creating this auditory awareness, we often refer to this as auditory bombardment. So it's kind of what it sounds like. It's so important and highly effective. So here's what auditory bombardment looks like. You want to build target sounds and words into play. And I'm telling you, if you really want your child to improve, you play, play, play. So let's say your child is working on producing the k sound, the k sound. Um, as you're playing with cars, overemphasize the k in cars or in any word that has the k sound in it. Um, name and, and get ahead of the game. Name people who are driving the cars, Carl or Carrie, and so on. Now, it's great to try to get your child to repeat these sounds properly within the words here and there during play. But even if they can't or if they won't, continue with overemphasizing and point out that you are making the sounds from time to time. Um, ask them, did you hear that? Do you hear that sound? Whether they like it or not, this is creating so much awareness. And this is slowly but surely building in awareness into your environment and clearing out fresh new pathways. It might sound a bit crazy, but this alone will help with progress. It's almost like learning through osmosis. Um, I've, seen it hap- I've seen it work so many times. And it doesn't just have to be during play either. It can be while you're out driving or in the grocery store or taking a bath. Again, during routine activities. Next, have a list of three to four words or syllables that contain your child's speech sounds and have them ready in your head. If they ask for something like juice or the iPad before you hand it to them, ask them to repeat just those three to four words or sounds before you give it to them. And, you know, if they get the sound right, great. But don't focus too much on them getting it right. Again, we're creating awareness here. Next, um, let's say that they do want the iPad or some sort of screen. Most kids do. Have them play with a speech therapy app for like five minutes first before doing something out. There's a ton of speech therapy apps out there, and they range from rather expensive to very cheap. Actually, we have a free app called The Chatterbox. It has nearly a thousand practice cards. So if you use that, Pull up some decks that have cards with, that contain your child's sounds and have them find images. Um, have them make silly sentences with it. Get creative. Um, but at least make them do that for five minutes, then they can go on. Next, utilize siblings. If your child has brothers and sisters, depending on how they're getting along at the time, never underestimate the power of influence that an older brother or sister might have. Maybe it's not always a good influence, but you know, in this case, they can actually have a very powerful and positive influence. Talk about some of these things with brothers and sisters and have them provide auditory bombardment during play. You'd be surprised how um, actually kind 
brothers and sisters can be and how much they actually enjoy helping their little brothers and sisters. Lastly, make communication a positive experience. Again, this goes back to you being such an important part of the equation with your child. You know your kid better than anybody else. Um, You can feel best when to push them and not to push them. So even if you don't totally understand what they say, look, get good at smiling and nodding. When they do say something clearly, draw attention to it. Make them feel good about it. Keeping things positive will keep them in the game. So look, this is breaking down walls. We're doing away with the idea that a speech therapist and only a speech therapist can help your child. We're doing away with the idea that you have to wait for some bureaucracy to approve whether or not your child gets help. Um, You're not going through these motions and just letting everybody play their role. You're breaking the routine around your house and carving out those pathways in that butter brain of your kids. Johnny, is your brain butter? Yes. Yes. See? So start doing these things. Breaking out of that routine will make a difference. Now for the idiot part. This is, of course, if your default isn't always idiot all the time. For me, that's debatable. But, and if you are already a idiot all the time, then just start being a different kind of one. So what do I mean by all this? Look, all the time when I'm at work, I'm doing strange things with my clients. You can ask my co-workers. Putting things on my head, telling them I'm Batman, pretending to drink with my ear. (laughs) Being silly and doing things out of the ordinary does a few things. Number one, it catches their attention. That alone isn't always easy. And if you think about it from like an evolutionary standpoint, our brains are designed to notice when something out of the ordinary is happening. It's it's a protective mechanism, right? Number two, it creates a sense of wonder and it gets them laughing. Humor has long been shown to accelerate learning. And then what more do we need than a sense of wonder when we are learning? So... I don't know. Think of something. The next time that you're handing your kid a plate of food, sneak for a second and give them a plate with a sock on it. Um, Particularly if your kid is working on the S sound or the K sound. Or or pick pick an item that does start with their sound. I promise it'll stop stop them in their tracks and get them laughing. It breaks out of the norm. And this would present a great opportunity to focus your kids on their sounds for a little while. Think of this as sort of steroids for getting new pathways going. It gets them alert and in the mood for learning and practicing new things. So hopefully this makes clear when routine is great for speech and why traditional routines of speech therapy need to be broken down a little bit and chipped away at It's really important to realize that you have so much power when it comes to helping your kids, more than you know, and that you don't really have to do anything extra or learn much in the way of being a speech therapist. Consulting a speech therapist is really highly suggested. I say do it, and I'm definitely not saying don't go to those 30 minutes, one to two times a week appointments. Definitely do that. But there is so much that can and should be done while these things are getting going and in between visits. Let's not get stuck in these roles where the therapist is only the therapist and you are the parent and only the parent. And look, never underestimate the magic of the human brain, especially your child's brain. Doing something over and over can make things effortless for them. 
but also keeping things fresh and throwing the brain for a loop can have profound effects. So folks, remember the word of the day. What's the word of the day, Johnny? Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. (laughs) Remember that. Get out there and break up your routines. Remember that you are your child's best asset by far, especially when you're being an idiot. Thanks for listening, folks. Until the next time that it's time to chat.